I'm ready. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Let me summon hey. the wisdom. Here we go. Uh oh. What's up, Holmes? How's that happen? Okay, <laughs> really here we I'm go. Shh. Welcome to the extra podcast. Thanks, Greg. This is episode. I was trying to. What's up with the silence? Like this long silence that you do after. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Because I don't know. I feel like silence. it adds drama. Are we redoing this or are we keeping this? No, we're going to keep it. <laughs> All right. My name is Greg. <laughs> and joining me around the table is Pastor Paul. Hey, everybody. Pastor Andy. Good to be here. And Pastor Jeff. Yeah, thanks. First question, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Have you been cheering for the Blue Jays? So much. Is that why they're like down so 03? much. I have a Blue Jays shirt and a Blue Jays hat. And I got one of those little blue towels that I swing around in the air. And At I your say, TV? go, Blue Jays, go. Joey Betts, go. I you, know all their names. The Ed Wing. I, I run around my room doing the Ed Wing. You remember back in the days when he used to hit the ball out of the park? Nope. Way back when, before I started cheering for them? Yeah. Yeah. I've never actually seen him hit the ball out of the park, but I've been told that he does this little wing thing where he lifts his arm up and he starts running around the bases. Hmm. So, hmm. but I haven't seen it yet. I do that whenever I come into the office. I'm cheering for them now. So all of you out there who I got emails and mockery for not being a Blue Jays fan, and you finally pulled me over to your side, and since then they've been zero three. So maybe, but maybe this, maybe we can come back. You notice what I did there? We maybe we can come <laughs> back <laughs> and win. None of the teams I've ever supported ever in the history of any time ever have ever come back and won anything. But this could be the first. That's right. So go Jays. Uh, also, Andy, welcome yeah. back. Thanks, Greg. You came back that. from across the pond? I did. I'm fighting a little jet lag, but I'm glad to be Are here. Are you? Yeah, I am a little bit. Mm. I uh, woke up at five this morning, wide awake. You take some of the melatonin? No, that's for... That's good stuff. People that do that. I'm not that guy. Why don't I don't do that? I don't know. Right. Really? I like to be all natural and do you like to hey, suffer? Andy, hey, back in the it. day when you were a competitive athlete, did you take uh, banned substances? <laughs> <laughs> Can't answer that question. What? You they juiced? <laughs> you know it. I did not you juice. You did two muscle bustle milk. The most the most juicing I did was five alive, all right? Oh, I don't know. Five. You were in the G. Do you know? Sunny remember, back, you're from the states, just like Sunny I am. Do you remember the GNC? Like they had the oh, of course, the GNC vitamin center oh, things. And creatine. All these, and, yeah, these oh, yeah, huge oh, dudes yeah. would walk in there and come out with like buckets of powdered substance. Oh, I would kill the protein. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> so there was some anabolic bad things in there, though. Too. Yeah, right? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, mean, it was supposedly from, you shouldn't. No, the stuff creatine. was from some place in East Germany. <laughs> but it, I'm sure it, I'm, I'm sure, sure it's fine. I'm Greg. sure it's safe. Totally. Yeah. FDA approved. <laughs> they had to get it from behind the counter and like totally, the totally. Thing. And then Russian on it. It's fine. <laughs> but but no, I did. I just came back uh, in Scotland. And in fact, I, my wife and I, she came over as well, and we drove all the way from Dingwall, Scotland. That which is, is like a great name. Top of Scotland, all the way down past London. And uh, on the left Dingwall. side, and I'll have you know, where are you from? I did not wreck Dingwall. the car. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as you can imagine, in the north. is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Wait, I just, I think I did that. An I'm Irish pretty sure that's Irish, yeah. That, well, but uh, while I was there, I, I did hunt out the haggis. Ah, uh, uh, yes. 
I remember from our podcast. So. And? Because, first of all, I want the listeners to know that when I travel, I'm that guy that wants to try and eat everything, and the weirder the better. Mm-hmm. Now, Jeff, on the other hand, now, you and is I've been a together. Weenie. Yeah, you and I have been together um, in in Thailand, and you've eaten scorpions and other other bring, bugs. Bring it on. You've but, eaten the bugs out of bugs. Like when the bug <laughs> has some bugs inside of it, you like peel back the bug and Jeff, you eat the bugs. Jeff quite literally ate nothing while he was no. there. You not were even, one, honestly, I know, though, crazy you, me, are you, not even the dog. <laughs> I, I ate dog as well, which is delicious. But, but Jeff, honestly, when you travel, do you not like eating like foreign food? No, I think that that's ridiculous to eat dog and bugs inside of bugs. That's just dumb. All right. Scorpions well, I, are for killing, not eating. I'll have you know that while I was in Scotland, I ate ox cheek. Ooh, nice. Chicken liver. Yeah. Black pudding. All in the same Black pie. what? Black pudding and, uh, and oh. a haggis. Oh, and I've mixed it together in a pie. But, it's uh, a ding wall. Black, <laughs> that is Irish. Isn't black pudding... <laughs> it's like I'm blood. talking to a bunch of leprechauns. <laughs> isn't black pudding like congealed blood? Or it is, man. It's it's blood and some other stuff in there, and it tastes like that. These are the same people who came up with golf. See? That explains it. <laughs> but the haggis, I got to tell you, is pretty disgusting. Uh, it's basically oats, blood, and mystery meat. And that's exactly what it tasted like. Wow. Oats. I was a little disappointed, though, because apparently... Did you, did you taste the hint of oat in it? <laughs> You're like, hmm, oaty. <laughs> so, Greg, I guess you couldn't have it. No, oats. You and your... Oh, I could only imagine weirdness. what it'd do to Greg. Dude, yeah. Dingwall's the home of the football team, Ross County. Nice. They won promotion to the Scottish Premier League in 2012. Do yourself a favor today and Google Dingwall. Just take a look. Um... Yeah, just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, there you go. The, um, I, I ate haggis. I lived up to it, and uh, I'm not going to do it again. I don't think any anything was better than that you were in a town called Dingwall. That's it gets better. Part. Oh, I can. Is I can, Dingwall, in all honesty, there was Dingwall a nice town? It was. It was gorgeous. Great. Uh, it was like stepping back in time. Old village. Your favorite part of Scotland? Ooh. Do you know one of the coolest the things? Skirts. Let me tell you one of the coolest things I kilt. did. Went down to Dung. You know what? That's funny, by the way. I only saw one kilt while I was there did and you one bagpipe. Did you go up to the guy and say, why are you wearing a skirt? I might have. And he said, it's not a skirt. It's a kilt. <laughs> I went to Dundee in Scotland, which mm. the ship Discovery is still there uh, in all its glory. Now, if you remember, that's the ship that had Scott and Shackleton that went to Antarctica. Yeah, and, I did uh, not remember that. Well, okay, yeah. and I saw Shackleton's like quarters, man. And, and if you know anything about travel, like Shackleton is the man. Like this guy is as hardcore as they come. So it was cool to cool to see where he uh, where he slept in the ship Discovery. Do you think when he came back from Antarctica to Scotland, he was disappointed? Like, do you think Antarctica was better than Scotland? No, that's you know me. what? Apparently. I think all the haggis help them because, uh, from what I hear, penguin is one of the most disgusting meats on the planet to eat. I don't believe. So it. would you Probably. eat penguin if you if you were in? Oh, of course I would. You would eat a penguin. Oh, absolutely, folks. I would like you to know you should keep your penguins far from this man, <laughs> Mr. Popper. Stay away from Andy, dude. I'll eat them. What is? Apparently, why? they tasted like. Apparently, a penguin tastes like rotten fish. They're probably not cooking it right. I don't know. <laughs> It's, one guy said it tasted like rotten fish 
soaked in turpentine. Mm. She huh. just needs it. Just needs <laughs> lemon and and like some thime. You there's gotta, a reason. Okay, there's a reason why there's still penguins around. All right, you got to braise those. Like nobody's out there going, man. I got to eat me some penguin. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I've never met anybody. That's a good who point. Says that. <laughs> Uh, well, moving on. Anything else that we uh, missed uh, news-wise or banter-wise? Or... Bishmoo's in the booth. Hey, Bishmoo. Hey, this Sunday was our first time going to three services on Sunday morning. Yes. And it went great, well, I Yes, hear. and let me be the first to say to all four people who listen to the podcast <laughs> that um, I'm I, really, I just, I'm so I, proud. They're gone now. I'm so <laughs> proud of our church. Like how cool it was that this worked out. I don't know if you, from behind the scenes, it was amazing how, how well so much of yeah. it worked. And uh, we got a lot of feedback from people who were able to get their kids into classrooms a lot easier. And uh, even the movement of the parking lot was a lot quicker. And yeah, I mean, we lose a few things here and there, but it, for the most part, it's totally worth it. There's room in the services now for you, for you to come. There's room in this uh, 10 o'clock or I, and for your kids. And 830 and... We also have thirty. It's great. We also have flaggers now on yeah. Downs Road to make it quicker to get in and out of our uh, parking lot. We have yeah, the, we have some people helping direct some traffic as we exit the exit the place. Yeah, and so did that good. help? Yeah, it did. Helped a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was fantastic, and just honestly, it's been so far after one week a raging success. <laughs> right. Think about all those sports teams you've supported. And declared great victory over like that one week. Yeah. Right? Cleveland Browns. No, they haven't won yet. No. Canucks, so Canucks came back and won two games in a row. They're there it two is. and oh. There it is. Stanley, We're going to the cup. Stanley Cup bound. I can, can we just mention it. real quick here what our service our new service times are? Eight thirty. Uh, this is we're we're referring to the service times at the Downs Road campus in Abbotsford. Eight thirty, ten and eleven thirty. And out at Mission Campus? Nine and eleven. And when will Poco Campus Not get going? Not sure yet. Yeah, we're still in the process of that. But yeah, it'll probably be in the next year or so. Things will, things will kick off out there. Great. Uh, two quick things. Breaking news. Dingwall is also a community in Nova <laughs> Scotia. <clears throat> named after, of course, Dingwall in Scotland. And uh, Creflo Dollar has legally changed his name to Moneybags McGee. <laughs> so says Babylon B. <laughs> so that's a little shout out for anyone who knows any of those words of Babylon B. Here. Babylon B just cracks me up. It's great. It's good stuff. All right. Here's uh, some questions. If you have questions you want the extra podcast to answer, send them to extra at northu.org and we will get to it when we're able uh, here's a question that had to do with a sermon that was preached a few weeks ago. Paul and I preached it from Romans chapter 1. Here's a question. In the weekend service, it appeared that Romans 1.18 was preached as an all men suppress the truth with their wickedness. This reader went on to say, or listener said, when I read a variety of translations, and it appears that this goes for men, but not necessarily all men. So can we say that all are impacted only when looking at other scriptures, um, like Romans 3.23, for instance? So if this scripture does not say, if this scripture, Romans 1.18, does not say all, does this allow for any aspects of inclusiveness as a doctrine? So here's the question. First of all... There's a whole bunch of words in there I feel like you need to explain. So Jeff, can you explain inclusiveness? What, what he's referring to when uh, he says inclusiveness of salvation. Uh, yeah. 
So one of the one of the modern viewpoints about uh, the doctrine of salvation is so we're trying to answer the question: uh, What is the fate of those who've never heard the gospel? Okay, and Romans one interacts a bit with this in the regard that it establishes that that there's nobody anywhere who has not heard about God, because they should what, what God what can be known about God is plain to them as the language Paul uses because it's being revealed in the created design around them. So trees and skies and, you know, other people, whatever, that they should conclude from those things that there is a designer who is uh, personal. There's lots, of, there's lots of things. God's divine nature and his power are clearly seen from these things. So Romans 1 answers the question that there is no, no one who's never heard, but the question is usually pressed in response. Yeah, but there are lots of people who've never heard the gospel. So what do we do about people who've never heard the gospel? Well, the traditional viewpoint on this is called particularism, and particularism is the belief that that you have uh, that that it is necessary for someone to respond to the gospel message to be in order to be saved. Right. So passages like Romans ten: faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Uh, and so um, that seems to argue, and certainly the example given in the book of Acts, where Paul goes out and he reaches out to all the community, proclaims the gospel to them, and he, he you know, says that, Paul, that God commands all men everywhere to repent and believe the good news, okay? That he, the, the belief is that the, the gospel and, and the, the ne- that necessity of knowing actually the gospel and responding to it, it drives, for example, the missionary movement. That's particularism. Um, there's also universalism or forms of it, uh, which says that, you know, well, everybody's saved regardless if they hear the gospel or not, because God's kindness and his mercy are so great that he's going to overlook their sins ultimately, and they're going to all be saved. Um, inclu- inclusiveness is a doctrine though, that has come up recently and said, well, okay, let's try to merge these two ideas. On the one hand, we believe we know that, that, um, Jesus and his atonement are is what needs to save people, right? Ultimately, you know, your sins must be paid for at the cross. So since that's the case, Jesus has done that. He's done that for everybody is the argument. Uh, But those who have access to it don't necessarily need to have faith in Christ. They just need to have faith in whatever God's revealed to them. Do you understand? So what you end up having is uh, people who are in uh, you know deepest darkest Africa or South America or some place where no one has ever heard um, the gospel, if they have responded rightly to the revelation that God has given them in whatever form that takes, okay, they will be on the count of that saved by the atoning work of Christ, even though they know nothing about Christ. And so you have people who talk about anonymous Christians. I actually think that was C.S. Lewis who used that mm-hmm. phrase, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that there are people who are anonymous Christians in that they are worshiping God through, say, Mormonism, say, through uh, uh, Buddhism, uh, Sikhism. They're anonymous Christians, they're, they're, but they're being faithful Sikhs, and God is respond. All they're doing is responding to the revelation that they have, and their faithful Sikh, Sikhism is being credited to them as righteousness. Now I'm playing with the language here, but that's basically the case that they are they are 
You know, God has revealed to them a certain amount and they have responded. So people, you know, the biblical evidence that people try to bring up oftentimes is uh, characters like the Old Testament Melchizedek, who seems to appear out of nowhere, and yet he's a faithful guy. I think I've heard Job as well brought right. up. So you have passages that are somehow that, which by the way, Melchizedek's not about, there's a lot of conjecture going into that, but the, but there are some arguments that are trying to be brought trying to be brought from the Bible to try to justify uh, yeah that argument Greg in his sermon I think said that he didn't agree with conclusivist right so my right my point was basically that if we look to Romans 1 18 to 23 to try to answer the question of what happens to those who have never heard the answer is it's bad news that people need to hear the gospel in order for them to respond in faith and through faith receive the righteousness of God credited to them. Well, the problem with Romans 1 is that it, 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 it establishes that there aren't any people who are responding rightly to the revelation around right. them. So even if you say, like inclusiveness would say, yeah, but what if there are people responding rightly? Well, there aren't. They don't. That's what argument is. But the question is being asked, well, you made it sound like it was all people respond poorly to the re- right. revelation around them, but the passage itself doesn't identify the word all. It doesn't use the word, word pontos in Greek, pos, pontos, right? It doesn't use all there. And so isn't there a, isn't there, doesn't that fact allow for other, for, for there being some people? Because in some translations, the way they're going to translate this, Romans one eighteen is that, uh, the wrath of God is being revealed against all unrighteousness and wickedness of those who suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Which, what is that one? Is that That's the New Revised Standard yeah, Version. Yeah, the NRSV. So what do you say, Greg? What's your, what's your reply? Does, does Paul allow space for a group of people who respond rightly to the revelation they've been mm-hmm. given? And then there's another group that he's actually talking about here who don't. I think uh, in order for us to see an inclusivist reading in Romans 1, we would have to put that over top of the passage and then try to find a translation that makes it seem like that's what the passage is talking about. Whereas I think if you read it in the context of what Paul is trying to argue, his point is that no one has responded rightly. In this particular instance, his focus is um, most likely pointed particularly to Gentiles. And so he's trying to address to a readership that's both Jew and Gentile. He's trying to raise people's attention to, to those people out there who have never heard the gospel and yet live such wicked lives. And they they have all suppressed the truth of what God has revealed to them. It's not that they've rejected the gospel. It's that what God has revealed to them clearly about himself and creation, they have all suppressed that truth. And then he'll go on in Romans 2 and and onwards to talk about different kinds of people and why they're also wicked. Mm. But I think in this context... When you say that they're also suppressing the truth, though, the other people in Romans 2. Yep. It's just taking a different form. Yes. Yeah. So the argument that Paul's going to get to is, okay, well, what about people who who also haven't heard um, the gospel or who also haven't heard, the law. haven't heard the law, and yet they don't live as wickedly as 
other people. Yeah, so Gentile moralists. So he's right. going to engage with the Jew who has the law, and so they've received a, be- a better revelation than the Gentile who suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. But his, his argument with the Jews at the beginning of Romans 2 is that you guys are hypocrites. You say, you say the right things, but you don't do them. And it's based upon what you do that God is going to judge you, not what you say. So I'm, I'm a... And then he gets to the, moral, yeah. to the Gentile moralist, which is another who might say, well, look, I don't have the law. I mean, I, nobody gave me the law. Mm-hmm. So I'm off, I'm off the hook because I'm not like what you described in Romans 1. Mm-hmm. I live a good, clean life. And I'm not like what the Jews, because I didn't get the law. And Paul's response essentially to them is, uh, yeah, well, whatever law you had in your heart is mm-hmm. the law you, you're living. We'll just judge you by that, and you're a hypocrite too. Mm-hmm. So my, I think what you're doing here is you're applying to the lo- larger context. You're trying to say, look, mm-hmm. the wider context here actually does identify that Paul is trying to condemn everybody. Mm. Yeah, and I the reason one of the reasons why I was motivated to to bring in the angle of inclusivism was because I, it was a view that I held all through college. I was really warm to it. And when I studied Romans one through three, it, this passage kind of crushed that for me. And I realized I actually don't think that that's a sustainable position. If we're going to just let the scriptures speak on their own authority by what they're intending to, to communicate to us. And so I was, I wanted to help other people who, had that kind of leaning to to be challenged as I was by what the scripture has to say about about these matters and live with difficult doctrines and not just try to shove them out of our minds because because we don't like them but realize that actually some of the difficult doctrines help us gain a more robust view of who God is and what he's done in the world and and in this particular instance I think it, it is a real motivation for missions and it makes sense why paul would want to go to spain yeah to preach the gospel to those who've never heard uh which is i mean that's his his language right i'm going to preach to those who've never heard um you can see the appeal to inclusivism though yes i mean i can i can see the appeal to it in the sense that um you know it's very difficult to sit here in the west and to know that there are people in the parts of the world who've never heard the gospel and it's not even just parts of the world outside of the West now, there are people in the West who've mm-hmm. never heard the gospel message. People live in our cities who've never heard the gospel message. Mm-hmm. And I, heard, uh, I just heard somebody the other day say that they first heard the gospel. They grew up in North America. I can't remember which city it was. They grew up Dingwall. in North America. Uh, it might have been Dingwall, Nova Scotia. <laughs> but it was a major city. They grew mm-hmm. up there. They didn't hear the gospel until they were 24 years old. Yeah. Mm. It's becoming increasingly possible for you to yeah. avoid any contact with the Christian gospel and only only ever know anything about Christianity or Jesus based on the mockery that he would that yeah, those things exactly. would receive on Saturday night live or uh you know the daily show or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're that you're tapping into in terms of the cultural mm. stories and all but yeah so it's a live issue so the question then becomes well like what do we do about all those people i mean surely a god of mercy is not going to let people who who created in his image you know he's not going to send them to hell for not revealing the gospel to them right Mm. when romans 1 is really is pushing us here and saying yeah but god has revealed something to them and they've Mm -hmm. responded poorly to it Mm -hmm. they they have they have become self-justifying they have no regardless of where it is romans 1 and Two, regardless of whether or not they, they've decided to live a good moral life based on some 
some religious doctrine or whatever. They, nobody meets up to the standard uh, of holiness, that nobody responds rightly to the Lord. They just don't. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason our world is the way it is is because of the devolution that happens because of that idolatry. Mm. How, yeah. how? So we need help. We need desperately someone to save us. I wonder who that could be. <laughs> how do you engage uh, with how this applies with the Old Testament, particularly as we were just as we started with with people like Melchizedek and Job? I think that there's a lot of conjecture on those. In order to make this work, make that argument work, you have to establish some things about Job and Melchizedek that I don't think the this, the scriptures are necessarily affirming. Do you know what I mean? There's like gaps in the story with Melchizedek and with mm-hmm. Job that you end up filling in in order to make, well, he must have been this way and he must have responded this way and he didn't have this, so he must have. When So if you find yourself having to fill in the blanks like that, you, you, you usually know that you're out of line with what the author's intent is in that place. And so I, what I'm saying is that I, I'm interested in what the scriptures affirm, not in terms of the gaps that they leave, because mm. it's all just conjecture. I could, I, you know, obviously those things might be true, they might not be true. I don't know. I have no idea. Neither, nobody knows. So in the end, I just want to go with what the scriptures affirm. Do the scriptures teach that Melchizedek is a faithful man because he responded to the to the, the, the light that he had around him. Is that what they're using Melchizedek to do? The answer is probably no. And then there's the added problem, quite honestly, of the fact that you're using an Old Testament grid in order to address uh, New Testament era people. By that I mean like we, we, we live in a time after the revelation of Christ, right? Whereas they lived prior to it. But this is something that the first century church brought up to Paul, isn't it? Where he, they would ask, well, what's going to happen to those pre-Christ? I think so. What are you are you thinking about a particular text? Well, in your the, mind, the reason passes? I was bringing that up is no, I didn't have a specific text that I was bringing up. But what? How would you respond to somebody that would bring up that question? Yeah, I think that the people, so, somebody is saved by uh, by the atoning work of Christ. Is that the premise that that inclusivism is built on? Is to me a good one in the sense that yeah, somebody is saved by the atoning work of Christ. Mm-hmm prior to his revelation, okay, even though they, by responding to, the, to, to what is around them. So I, I don't actually think that Abraham knew about Jesus, and yet he's a, f- a faithful man who's standing in righteously before God today because he had faith in what the Lord had revealed to him. I think Romans, uh, sorry, Hebrews 12 lists lots and lots of people, sorry, Hebrews 11 lists a whole lot of people who are in that, in that category, whose faith was in God's promises. Um, and they didn't have explicit knowledge of who Jesus was. So you think it was attributed right, to them? Right, but I, I do have problems. Yeah, absolutely. But I do have problems with taking people who are living in, past, in, the, in the New Covenant age and applying this to them, because I don't see that modeled anywhere in the New Testament. I see other things being said. Again, Romans 10 is a real problem. In my regard, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And, you know, how shall they believe if they are not told? Or, uh, mm-hmm. right, how, how can they be told if there's no preacher? How can there be no preacher if, if unless someone's sent? And beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. Mm-hmm. So Paul, he, he, like, draws back this and addresses this very issue, quite honestly, and saying, look, people aren't going to be saved unless they hear the word of Christ, and so you, you need, we need to go. And this is the motivation for modern missions. This is what drove guys like William Carey and others around mm-hmm. the world in the 19th century to actually see the world as a place that they needed to go and reach 
the gospel. If you remove this, I actually think you remove most of the gospel proclamation missionary impulse. Hmm. I think people go to do other things in missions, like they'll go to help the poor or uh, hmm. you know redeem some sort yeah. of, of cultural problem, but but they don't go to proclaim Christ. And that's a that's a challenge that we see, isn't it? Where you'll often see the social justice movement, but the proclamation isn't isn't there. Right, and I'm saying that that's driven by theology. Agree, agree, I completely agree with you. I think another aspect of not this, necessarily just as, I want to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm clear about that. I'm not I'm not suggesting that every inclusivist rejects missions. Right, they they, they don't. They usually appeal to inclusivism because they're trying to deal with the hard reality that there are lots of people who have never heard the gospel who die in that state. And they're trying to figure out what on earth do we do we do with that in light of a God who loves and is merciful. So I understand the impulse. I just the Bible actually seems to argue differently than the inclusivist doctrine. Two things have been meaningful to me on this this uh, question. One is I think a lot of people make the assumption that Instead, the Bible's making the argument that people are evil and sinful and are not seeking out God. Hmm. But I think, on by and large, most people would say the opposite in our culture, that people are good and wonderful and that they are seeking out God and that God is this benevolent meanie that's just saying no to people because, you know, they haven't heard. Right. Romans 1, is it's a total affront. I mean, honestly, if you just step and read it, we might nod at it because we've been, some of us have you know, read the scripture several times or heard it preached on in churches stuff, but it is a earth shattering statement for people in the way, in, in the modern world that the wrath of God is being in the present time mm-hmm. revealed against all unrighteousness and wickedness of men. Mm-hmm. And that the, the, the reason, the, the reason it's being revealed is because they're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness mm-hmm. that they're, that they are actively, uh, burying what God has revealed in order for them to follow their lusts. That that it explains the world around us. It's actually Paul's worldview. And, it starts and to change the way you see it, things. It does, but we don't view people like that. We we view people as did Paul, as made in the image of God. But we think. I mean, I we frequently hear people talk about how uh, how good people are and how yeah. wonderful. And, and, and in the news, oh, look at this person who helped this other. People are person basically and, good. There's just a couple bad ones, right? In there. Right. And so we, even in some of the critiques that you'll end up hearing for Romans 1 or even Greg's treatment of it, you'll hear, you'll hear underneath it this, well, yeah, we're not that bad, though. When Paul's like, oh, yeah, you are. Like, when he gets to Romans 3, it gets crazy. Like, he, he flat gets crazy. He just starts quoting nasty things about people, you know? The poison of asps is on their lips. Like, you kill people with your words, mm-hmm. you, you wicked sinner. You're ruining God's world. You've destroyed everything that is good and right in this world with your words and actions. And no attempt to try to justify yourself has worked. You, you, if you have a law, you can't keep it because you, you're constantly sinning against God. I mean, like, honestly, it, it's all your fault. That's the point. The, the, one of the things that I have to remind myself of, I, I don't know how you feel about this or your thoughts, but is I, I, I seek to constantly remind myself that God is good because I think this is something that ultimately gets challenged in this is we start to question the goodness of God. And, you know, is, is he good? Is he going to do right? Is, is he actually a good judge? 
And I have to constantly put that before my mind. No, no, no. He is good and he's a good judge and he will do right. And I'm going to let him be judge. And I'm going to, because I think one of the things that often we do when we wrestle with this question is we want to put ourselves in the judgment seat because mm-hmm. when we start to question God's judgment, really what we're saying is, is I, I would be a better judge. Mm-hmm. And if I did things, I would do it in a way that would be even better than God's currently mm-hmm. doing it. And, and this ultimately is the problem, mm-hmm. right? This is our sinfulness now coming out, and we're, put, we're vetting ourselves against God because ultimately we think we would do better than he would. Right. Ultimately, though, you, you need to wallow into the de- in the depths of human depravity mm-hmm. in order to see the glory of the gospel, the, mm-hmm. the outrageous, scandalous glory of a Savior who took all of that shame on himself mm-hmm. and in, in return gave us righteous standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, God's very own verdict of righteous. We need to. <laughs> Just, it's unbelievable. Remember that He is good. So the deeper my point is, the deeper you dig, yeah. that's what Paul's trying to do. The deeper you dig, the more you realize how depraved we are, and how debased our minds are. The more you realize what Christ has done, and the the overflow of thankfulness mm. that comes in one's life. See, this is when he gets to Romans twelve. He's going to say he's going to say that it, you know. Uh, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. In other words, in light of what I just described, of the mercies of God. You know, you, you were sinful. You didn't deserve, you, you deserve judgment. Instead, you receive righteous standing. By the mercies of God, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Think about that image. I want you to lay yourself down on the altar, and I want you to just give every part of you over to God. Because it's reasonable. That's the language there. It's, it's, it's a reasonable act of worship. Because yep. in light of what he's done for you. But you're never going to worship. You're never going to worship the way you ought to, the way I ought. I, I'm never going to worship the way I ought to unless I, I wallow in how deeply depraved I am, we are, unless I actually see the scandal of the gospel. And ultimately, I think where this brings you to is a place in which you just placed your trust in him. Oh, you, you just, you're overwhelmed with thankfulness. Mm-hmm. So that your life then becomes a living sacrifice. Your life becomes, like, is anything too much to ask of one who saved you from, from your wicked con- you know, sin that you continue to, at times, suppress his truth and unrighteousness? So and he still keeps coming after you? Like, so how, how do you respond to a love like that? You share it. Yeah. And, and you pray for people. Right. And your heart should break with how broken our world is. Right. And you want to go and t- take this message to the ends of the earth because you, you say it's the only thing. It's the only thing. It's the power of God and salvation for all who believe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the only thing that's going to actually solve any of the problems around. But part of the reason that we don't share it, part of the reason that it's not a big deal to us, part of the reason it's just we sort of like we ho-hum it is because actually we've cut ourselves off at the knees because we haven't actually wallowed. We haven't walked mm-hmm. into the depths of the valleys. Yep. So that the mountaintops. No, and you say when you say wallow, so you aren't telling people, yeah, go find out how depraved you can be. Yeah. Like, and that's not at all what we're trying to say. But I think a lot of people, I know, growing up in the church, you'd hear of people who became Christians later on in life, and and they had sometimes people have stories about you know living on the downtown east side and being a drug addict, and all of a sudden Jesus got a hold of them, and they came, and now they know the glory of Christ, and and you hear their testimony, and you're you're just wowed by it. Um, but I think for a lot of us who grew up in the church, we we hear that, and we think, oh man, I wish I could love Jesus that much. But I think if you probe your own heart to the depths, and that's what Jeff's referring to in wallowing. Look at how deeply depraved you are. I mean, you might not have ever been a drug addict or 
gone off as a as a prostitute or or whatever the things that you think of are the absolute worst things in the world you might not have done those but if you probe the depths of your heart there is there is sinfulness there uh, that you, that you probably haven't ever even considered before there's a, an excellent book called the shung tung compound in which Say that again. the <laughs> shung tung compound and it basically one, one it's a time. story of the <laughs> shung tung compound in world war ii in which all these people were brought into you know this this concentration camp and you got this guy there that was educated i believe it was at harvard and he uh, he's he's a, this kind of becomes this thought experiment, you know, of seeing what what's it going to be like with all these people from different ethnicities and educational backgrounds as they're living in one. And ultimately, he comes out of this. You can read the book, coming to to this full this belief and completely uh, convinced that people are depraved. And in the end, he he quotes Birch's Three Penny Opera, and he says, "Even saintly folk will act like sinners unless they get their customary dinners." Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, that's that's what you see in people is, you know, when things are going along good, you know, and you may see at times the the good nature in a human being. You can. You can see it in beauty and in art and yeah. like the way that they're made in God's image. But you also mm-hmm. have to understand that we are restrained by so many. We are wickedness. We're not as bad off as we could be. Right. That's right. But the reason is because of that because of that image of God in us and also because God is a restraining grace. He does it through government. He does it through uh, conscience. He does it through all sorts of things, society in general. Mm-hmm. But when those, like you're saying, when those um, mm-hmm. boundaries, when those restraints mm-hmm. are pulled back, you start to see, like Lord People of the Flies really was written are. for a reason, yeah. you know? And and you start to see in Nazi Germany or during riots today, you start to see just the the heinous wickedness. So you go to ISIS today and see what they're doing. It is an abs. It's absolutely shocking what they're doing, using their power to to uh, to murder and rape and pillage, and uh, it's unreal. And this is what's so interesting. In in the, the decade after World War II, this was not a hard thing to argue. No, no. there was nobody who they were lived all between on board 1948. With you. And 1958, who thought to themselves, yeah, you know, people are pretty good. <laughs> nobody thought that. <laughs> they, nobody thought that. They, 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 they realized that given the right circumstances, people, people are, wicked. are horrible yeah. at, at, on every side, even though we're the winners. You could see the wickedness even and now increasingly as we've gotten older and we've looked back and we've seen some of the history of World War II. We've been able to see even on the American side or the Allies side or the... Canadians, I mean, like we, we herald these guys as victors, but some of the heinous acts that they did. I'm convinced that, that that's why some of the Old Testament stories are so perplexing to us is because we, we live in a, in a time of relative peace mm. in, the, in the world history. And we don't realize just at times just how wicked yeah, people, ha- people are, have been in, the, in the, the story of wickedness that the Bible tells you about. Yeah. Agreed. No, this has been a real positive one. You know, it's funny though the <laughs> fact that we're so we're so uh, I, I guess alienated by talking. We don't. Nobody talks about this. Oh, it's too depressing. It's too depressing mm-hmm. to talk about. But I think that's part of my point is that by talking about it and understanding how deep the wickedness goes, you understand how glorious the the mountaintop yeah. of the gospel is. It's great mm-hmm. that even even as we were enemies to God, He still loves you. Right. So people at the church sometimes, you know, I've had a couple of people come to me, and I've had people leave Northview before, and they've. 
So I, I just couldn't come and, and, and hear about, uh, you know, my, my depravity or that's my word for it. I just couldn't hear it. And I, I've asked them, you know, whenever I'm describing your depravity, or I preach the, preach the law to you and you look at it and you could, you stay, you hold yourself up to that law and you say, Oh, I fall so short. And that means that I'm condemned before God. But one of the things we do here every single week mm. is we, we only open the wound so that we can apply the salve of the gospel. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's it. That's all we're doing. So if you, if you don't, um, it's a rotten sermon if we only open the wound. Mm-hmm. But at the end, we're trying to take the, the, the glorifying salve <laughs> that is the gospel message and just why, smear it all over that wound and say, you know what? Is it, yeah, you're wicked, awful. You do see his scandal now, right? That he died for you, that he loved you. Your name is written on his, on his hands graven on his hands he knows you mm. so and we hope that, that's how healing comes. well yeah and you hope that you walk out the door with a smile on your face realizing not not a smile on your face because you're so awesome and i just reaffirmed all your awesomeness but a smile on your face that christ is awesome and that no matter who what i've done he he is my savior and will be forever yeah and if you see it how great the gospel is for you then when you see your loved ones who you think are so far off and are unreachable, if you, if you realize all that he's done for you, you think, man, he can do that for them too. Mm. And he can bring it to them in freedom and joy and not worrying about any consequences because you know that you are already redeemed. Yeah. Okay. Pregnant pause, Greg. That was great. You like that? I was trying to decide if I should ask another question or not. Beef Bishmu, where are we at? Okay. I think we're going to leave it there because all, the one, one all the it. other questions are going to take a little bit longer than a few minutes to answer. So instead of that, I want to let you all know that the Dingwall Museum is a local history museum <laughs> in the Highlands. <laughs> and it Did presents many local artifacts and fascinating tales of human exploits, which are unique to Dingwall within a landmark building. Once Andy, the did center you go to this museum? Government. Did you no. go to the museum? No. Why not? Oh, did, you, did you know that over the years, members have designed displays to create pictures of the past for visitors to study and enjoy? Why would you deprive the Dingwallian people of that, their pride? Are they Dingwallians? I was too busy sl- swimming in Loch Ness. Did you Nessie. find Nessie? Dude, I did. And? It's on Facebook. He Done. ate Solved. <laughs> he killed Found us. him out there with, uh, <laughs> <You> hanging out. <laughs> Who knew Nessie. he was friends with Big Bird and... You ate uh, Nessie. No, I didn't. Uh, I would though. with a side of haggis. <laughs> a little bit of that, that might be what haggis <laughs> is. Penguin on the side. If you have a question you want the extra podcast team to answer, we will get to it at some point. But you could email it to extra at mercy.org. Until then, see you at church on the weekend. <laughs>